Morning, everyone. Welcome back. <clears throat> How's everybody doing this morning? Okay. Good. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. All right. Let me get started here. So for today's talk, I, um, I use the following references uh, in the Buddha's words, edited and translated by uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi. Um, two articles from uh, Tricycle. One is Tricycle. Oh, I've got an echo. Uh, the End of Suffering uh, by Joseph Goldstein, um, winter 2013, and the Buddha's, the Buddha's uh, Noble First Teaching by Juku Thrando Koji from May 2002. And also Gil Franzel's Dharma Talks on the Third Noble Truth of the Cessation of Suffering on Autodharma. So, <clears throat> um, so just to bring us back up from where we've been. Um, we discussed the first noble truth, the noble truth of dukkha or suffering on Monday. We talked about the task for that noble truth, which is to deeply and fully understand one's own suffering by really being present with it. And from that connection with our own suffering, we develop the heart of compassion, which we then can offer and are able to extend to, uh, to ourselves and, and extend it fully to others who are suffering. Then yesterday, Peg spoke very clearly about the second noble truth, uh, Samudaya, the noble truth that the origin of suffering is craving and that the task associated with that noble truth is for craving to be abandoned. Um, so she talked about that whole process and one of the things that she mentioned was that uh, suffering, there's some suffering we can't do much about such as um, birth, old age, sickness and death, bodily pain. And these things will continue as the body is impermanent and um, and consequently, this is what the body does over time. It decays, um, the body being impermanent. <clears throat> so there, and then there are the secondary sufferings of human life, the sufferings of, of worry about facing harsh situations, about separation from loved ones and desirable things, um, about not achieving one's wishes, about uh, encountering unwanted situations. And this is the suffering we add on to our primary suffering of old age, sickness, and death. Um, it's the second arrow, if you will. Um, and so this is the suffering, the, the craving that we have where we can more readily uh, abandoned. This is uh, what Peg was talking about is the weak link on the 12 um, uh, linked um, chain of um, dependent co-arising. 
Okay, so this morning um, I have the pleasure of presenting what Gil Fransdale calls the good news of, of Buddhism. And uh, that is the third noble truth, the noble truth of Naroda, or the cessation of suffering. And he says it is good news because it means suffering can come to an end. We can end our, our own suffering. It doesn't have to continue. The cessation of suffering also means, at the same time, it means new, new beginnings uh, within the, the newfound freedom created by the cessation of uh, certain things. So the good news represents two things, at least. A deep ending to attachment and new possibilities with our freedom. So what is cessation and what do we mean by it? <clears throat> so first we'll look at what the Buddha said. Um, so what is the noble truth of the cessation of suffering? It is the total abandonment renunciation, purification, and exhaustion of the craving which produces re-existence or re rebirth and which is accompanied by passionate desire and which is total delight in this and that. It is the complete freedom from cessation of, pacification of, and termination of desire. So this is a pretty thorough description of what cessation is. <clears throat> what it means is stopping the craving. This, as Peg mentioned last night, is the weakest link, as I just mentioned. It means stopping our grasping, abandoning our sense desires, and our wishes that life was something different than it is. <clears throat> it means accepting life as it is and seeing the goodness in it and appreciating that. <clears throat> Pardon me. Appreciating this life that we have. It means stopping the self-centered dream and seeing the true nature of reality. Seeing our interconnectedness with all living beings and that what affects one person affects us all. It means understanding impermanence as the natural state of phenomena and that permanence, impermanence is suffering. So, <clears throat> how do we practice with cessation? In the Theravada uh, tradition, the, the cessation results from the gaining of true insight into impermanence and non-self. The insight meditation practice of Buddhism focuses on gaining right mindfulness, which entails understanding the three marks of existence. Those are very similar, similar to what I said earlier. 
and the understanding of the reality of non-self promotes non-attachment because if there is no soul, no self, then there is no focus for clinging. And once one comprehends and accepts the non-self doctrine, there are no more desires. Tanha or craving ceases. Sounds so easy, right? So the absolute goal uh, here in terms of Theravadan and the insight meditation is the attainment of nirvana or cessation of both suffering and the cause of suffering. And uh, Gil Franz, uh, Franzdale talks about um, a method of using deep meditation and observing the rising and falling of all phenomena. And just letting it be what it is as we watch. <clears throat> we watch the flow become part of the flow and the inconstancy, impermanence, inconstancy, as he likes to say, of everything, being present to it, and the experience of the disappearing and appearing of phenomena. Joseph Goldstein, in his article, The End of Suffering, recounts, on, recounts how, on reflecting on the Third Noble Truth, he began to understand the Buddha's words in a new and immediate way. That instead of it being some distant goal in the future as the end of the path or some particular meditation, that rather it is a practiced experience right now in each moment. And so he suggests we closely investigate our experience to see how craving hinders the natural ease and openness of the mind and compare uh, the moment that we are free from desire with the moment we are clinging. And when we are free of the clinging, we'll notice a sense of our own happiness and peace. And that's always available to us, actually if we choose that. <clears throat> For instance, if we took one of the items on our list of suffering or irritations from Monday night, we can ask how did it feel when we wanted something to be different than it was, and we compared that to what it felt like when that wanting subsided. Obviously, based on the laws of impermanence, the wanting for things to be different most surely will pass away on its own, without us ever doing anything. One of the great masters of Tibetan Sochen, Tuku Ujen Rinpoche, talked a lot about recognizing the nature of mind, its empty, aware nature, free of any clinging to anything but short, clinging to anything for short moments many times. And that this can serve as a better way to understand our own practice of letting go of craving. And we learn to recognize and gradually trust our place of ease. So just 
It's like checking in, just checking in in small, small ways. Am I free of clinging now? What's that like? Another practice is focusing on the drawbacks of the conditioned experience. Uh, the Buddha observed that when the focus on the gratification of sense pleasures, <clears throat> desire actually increases. It's like sugar. When we eat sugar, that's been my experience anyway, I desire it more. When I don't have it for a while, I don't feel like I need it. <clears throat> so we focus on the drawbacks of sense pleasures, craving diminishes. How often do we pay attention to whether we are deconditioning craving or conditioning it? What are we actually focusing on? Which aspect? The gratification or on the drawback? So uh, we can decondition or relinquish craving through an increasingly refined awareness of the three signs of existence, impermanent suffering and non-self. The more clearly we see this impermanence, as we've been saying all along since the first day, uh, as we clearly see the impermanence of all experience, the more we understand for ourselves the unreliability and ultimate unsatisfactory nature of all phenomena. And through sustained, wise attention, we understand more deeply the selfless, impersonal nature of this whole unfolding process called life. Nothing lasts long enough to be considered a self. This is another drawback or danger of conditioned experience. The upside of this, however, is that the fact that conditioned and phenomena are unsatisfying makes us more motivated to awaken, seeing these characteristics become the cause and condition for liberation. <clears throat> if there is no danger, there is no enchantment, says the Buddha, no disenchantment. So another uh, practice, too, is to uh, really reflect on the great truth of impermanence, to broaden the context of our own experience and loosen the bond of craving and attachment. One example for these days of the pandemic, as it stretches out day after day, week after week, month after month, we can remember impermanence. <laughs> It won't last forever. Or in the case, as uh, this is a tale that Gil's uh, Fonsdale mentioned, is um, one day his son, who was a young son, was uh, very upset. And he was fussing all day long. And, and Gil was kind of at the end of his rope. I thought, oh boy, <laughs> this is so hard. And his wife, gently said to him, he's having just one of those bad days. And 
uh, Gil said that this, this helps so much to think of it that way. This is just one of those bad days. It doesn't, it's not permanent. It comes and goes. And in that way, um, one can remember that uh, this doesn't happen all the time and you can loosen up any sort of drama around it. So in short, there are many methods and techniques for practicing this, the nature of ultimate freedom uh, among the various Buddhist traditions. But it's clear that it univer it's universally understood that what frees the mind is liberation from self-clinging. So some little examples <clears throat> that we practice here, they're just even some little sayings that can help us ease suffering and to remember, <clears throat> remember our Buddha nature perhaps, or remember what we really want in the time where if we're doing something uh, we have some sort of craving. Let's say it's food. And we notice that craving arising. <clears throat> and then if we can just remember that it's not good for me, it's, it's just remember the outcome that you really, what's your real, what's your real want. And with that, you can let go of the craving. It doesn't have to be a harsh thing. It's just remembering what you really want. So uh, another thing that Gil uh, Fransdale mentioned that uh, is very interesting. Um, he was talking about um, in a normal experience, not even in meditation, um, we notice things, or we see some things out of the corner of our, our eye, and that the, say we're walking, we're walking down a narrow path, and uh, we see something on the ground, long, and just kind of lying there on the side, and we think, our mind immediately says, oh, it's a snake, because we've been told there are snakes in the area. And as we approach, we see that actually, in fact, it's, it's a stick. <laughs> um, that's the good news. But what, so what happened there is that the brain saw something, we perceived something, and we, the brain, the mind just created, kind of fills in the gap and says this is what's going on when in actuality, it may or may not be. And the reverse thing also happened to him. He was walking in the jungle and he was again aware of the snakes. And he, uh, he saw actually, he, he saw a stick, a large branch in the road and so he just was gonna climb over it. And in fact, that was a snake. So. <laughs> But again, the mind, it was created, the reality determines 
what we see when we're it's when it can't see when it can't really perceive well enough and so all the time there is this kind of veil between what is actually um, what we're actually perceiving and what the mind is making us think we're perceiving so even it's so it can be a practice to pay attention to that to when we are just believing our minds and when are we actually um, know what we're looking at or dealing with and we can also see this in our mind when we're doing whatever and it's chattering away and it's creating its own reality about what's going on around us so <clears throat> those are some of the some of the things that we can do um, of course there's uh, uh, Things like we did last evening is looking looking at um, situations that have occurred where we've gotten upset and and try to figure out what actually went on there. Was that reactivity that came up that caused the disruption with another person, or you know what what was that? And really pay attention to what what's going on so we can figure out what is what part of it is ours what what part of it might be our clinging so uh, lastly um, the question is is how does cessation relate to empathetic joy and first of all what is empathetic joy exactly um, empathetic joy or mudita is typically defined as the joy that arises when one witnesses or is made aware of another's happiness or good fortune or when they experience freedom. Um, freedom is joy. The fact that we stop our clinging and, and thereby be, we're freed from the suffering, the suffering that we inflict on others is the fact that we stop our clinging and therefore be freed of joy, be freed of suffering, joy arises in us. And in addition, it arises with other people. We can have that when we spend time with other people. Um, it has an impact on them. And the converse, if we spend time around people who, ha who um, uh, have sympathetic joy or have joy, and then we can feel our own sympathetic joy for their good fortune. Okay. So, um, so in conclusion, this is the third noble truth of the cessation of suffering, and it entails the complete cessation um, complete sensation and, uh, and freedom from desire. And our understanding and, and then our the actual practice, there are many practices that we can do um, to obtain this cessation. That it is possible. The good news, we have the good news, the good news today, 
that it is possible to uh, be free of suffering and uh, have cessation from suffering. So, are there any questions or comments? Or Books are muted, so they can't uh, respond. Oh, okay. Um. No, we're unmuted. We got the sign that said, please unmute. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. okay. Good. A lot of people still muted, but anyway. Okay. Well, I think we'll... Um, finish up with the, the service and um, that's what we'll do.